one and all to the Rugby with Pads podcast. I'm starting this series without a totally cohesive plan, but this pod is aimed to satisfy a bit of an itch I have to speak about, to and with the fantasy football community, and to maybe, just maybe, meet a niche that I've seen in the industry, which I'll get into in a bit. For those of you expecting a 15 or 13 man code review, you're sorely mistaken. Instead, this whole concept has been based on the comment I hear the most. But isn't American football just rugby with pads? You get it? Yeah. Maybe one day I won't hear it, but for now, those of you in the know will hopefully understand the concept of a Brit loving an American sport with all of the violence of rugby, and then some, and the finesse and tactical nuance of chess. During this first mini-sode, I'll try and give you an idea of what I'm about and what I hope this could be. I'll start with me. My name is Sam. I'll be your host, writer, amateur analyst, and someone who I hope you can go on a journey with. Today's episode might feel a bit like an essay, mainly because I've never podcasted before, and secondly, because this initial idea started out as a bit of a blog. Um, I hope to get a bit more freeform in the future as the football season kicks off, and we get some ideas of what you want to hear about, and we have things to react to in real time. But for now, let's kick this off. Bit about me. Um, I got into football, specifically NFL, in the 90s uh, with Madden 95 on the Mega Drive. As a six-year-old, I didn't really get it, but played countless hours against my brothers, throwing interceptions and being confused why I only had four goes before I had to give it over. You can tell I wasn't that good. I restarted my love of football in 2003, again with Madden. And typically, like most UK fans, view the NFL through the lens of who was good on, Ma- good on Madden. In 2006, I got the opportunity to go to St. Louis and happened to get tickets to a regular season game against the 49ers. I watched Mark Bolger, Tory Holt and Steve Bruce in a 17-20 comeback win. I was hooked. Unlike many UK-based NFL fans, I was lucky to go and see a game um, in, in real life, live and got hooked before they were regular London games. I tried to get everyone around me hooked and managed to create a small little community who wanted to watch the Super Bowl at university and follow our adopted scenes, uh, our, our adopted teams, sorry, usually thanks to Madden. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by a few like-minded guys and girls who all wanted to, at the very least, keep up with the game. Uh, we, we always throw Super Bowl parties and uh, they would always be the real highlight of the year. Then, in 2016, after uni had been and gone, we discovered fancy football and we never really looked back. In the last few years, my love for the Rams has grown and grown. Um, if I ever turn this into a video style podcast, is that's a thing, um, you'll probably see behind me uh, an Aaron Donald shirt, you know, favourite player for years. Um, I've, I've watched through all the lean years in, in, under Jeff Fisher and I was the chump who bought a Sam Bradford jersey. Um, that was obviously before the Rams were the NFC powerhouse they become and now a regular playoff team and Super Bowl winners. Thanks to the internationalisation of the game and some fantastic coverage spearheaded by the BBC, Sky and the NFL Network. Um, he won't know who I am, but just wanted to say Henry Hodgson, I'm a huge fan and you're a bit of a legend in my eyes. Um, I've been able to absorb as much of the sport as I can manage, but everything I have is delayed. Unfortunately, I've chosen part to be part of a community in which I get everything on a five to eight hour delay if I'm reading it on, uh, you know, and I 
want to sleep occasionally. Uh, whilst everyone is coming back from the pub after watching the other football, um, soccer for anyone in America who's listening to this, um, I'm getting my screen set up and ready to absorb as much as I can whilst I watch Red Zone. And this remains a constant for as long as I can stay awake normally. And for my niche, fancy football, and hopefully yours too if you're listening to this, a live point scoring up and down fever dream and roller coaster of emotions is is what i really wanted to there's no local coverage to speak of though podcasts and youtube channels are great and shout out to the nfl fancy team uh, the spm fancy team and of course the fancy footballers who you know, recently have really inspired me um it's it's really intimidating and quite a big time commitment if you're a brit following the sport and especially in the fantasy world you need to feel if you want to feel informed you never really are you're always behind the curve so i've been playing fantasy football for about five or six years now and over the first five years of playing i didn't sniff a final Um, i played in a lot of 10-man leagues a couple of 12s a random 20-man league which i'll get into in a minute um in my first year i didn't really know what i was doing much like going back to playing madden in 1995 I drafted a quarterback in the first round. It was Aaron Rodgers, I think. Um, I took Todd Gurley in the second. I think he was a rookie that year, maybe going into a second year. And I took Gronk. I just took the names that I knew. Um, I, I knew in real life they were fantastic players. Um, that year, despite starting the league and being a commissioner and re- really wanting to spearhead it, I finished with four wins. Um, I even stupidly dropped Todd Gurley after an injury scare and some poor performances. My understanding of real football didn't really help in the fantasy world. But fortunately, in the second year, fast improvement. Um, six wins. Yeah, not not great. By year three, I was, like you probably are now, listening to podcasts, taking in as much information as I could, and religiously reading the ESPN rankings and anything I can get my hands on to make my team better. And I ended up coming third in my home league. I was, I was really, you know, there's a really big improvement from, you know, dredging up the the barrel bottom of the barrel i queued up a couple of mid-table finishes uh and, and tried out multiple leagues in different formats um i tried best ball which i wasn't particularly interested in but the research in drafting was the kickstart i'd needed to to try um a 20-man league um it was really interesting looking at how your your, your game changes depending on who you're playing with and how deep the rosters have to be um continued on with my home league and again i tried to improve but failed i I think i came sixth uh, again (laughs) so uh didn't haven't had a great track record in that league it's a bit of my bogey league so the last five seasons i played in summary fancy football with no success I, i enjoyed the game i didn't enjoy winning because i didn't do it very often um, in 2020, I thought I'd gain a bit more experience and entered an extra couple of leagues, a best ball and the aforementioned 20-man, and um, on top of my you know, kind of typical 10-man half PPR league. I didn't do much better, but it gave me a chance to experiment. And this last year, uh, in 2021, I really upped the ante, adding another further three redraft leagues. I ended up creating a dynasty starter with my home league friends um, and became the commissioner for that. Um, and I entered the fantasy footballers Megla Bowl. Um, and I even got granted an extra end, end, entry after someone abandoned their team in week five. All in all, I think I was managing nine teams um, and six of them with traditional playoff structures. Last year, my luck finally changed. 
Um, let me paint a picture for you. Um, so going into week 17, championship week, because friends don't let friends play in week 18. I was uh, going into a seventh place playoff in the home league, um, which subsequently I lost. So not a great tell the story. That league just will not let me win anything. But I'd make it, made it to the final 3% in the Megalobol and scored in the top 5% in the Scott Fish Satellite Tournament. I also made it to one, not, not, it made it to the final in not one, but four of the other leagues. Um, so after having not graced a final in five years, I had the chance to take home a championship in four different leagues. And I hadn't felt that pressure before. It was scary. Um, I loved fancy football just for the camaraderie, the, the stats, the team structures, trying to just win on the waiver wire and, and just win transactions. And now I was trying to win for real. In the three redraft leagues, um, and you've got to thank the existing fantasy football community for giving me an opportunity to get involved because these were leagues with strangers who I didn't know. Um, I, w I was predicted to win in all of them. Um, I built my team in a few different ways just to experiment, as I mentioned. One, I made the playoffs at nine and six, um, sneaking into fourth place, having built around Kamara, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Rogers, and T Higgins as my first few picks. In another league, um, Saquon was my first round pick with Devante Adams and CeeDee Lamb and Lockett being bolstered by Brady, um, who was uh, very much a late round pick. Um, again, in that one, I squeaked into the playoffs at nine and six and made it into the, uh, <laughs> made it in by the skin of my teeth in the final game. Uh, my final team that I was uh, in kind of redraft leagues with was a bit of a love letter to the Rams or at the very least the NFC West. Um, I had Debo, Murray, Trey Lance, I, I believe as well, um, Kittle and Henderson were you know, standouts who took me to a 12-3 and three finish to win the regular season. In the end, all three teams ended up converging after drafting very differently and being constructed. And uh, off the waiver wire, I picked up players like Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, Darnell Mooney, um, Ronald Jones. Um, the Bills were featured pretty heavily in in all of my teams, and Nick Folk, who just you know had a pendulum. He was he was automatic last year. Um, it meant that I had a lot of common team stock, so it was boom or bust for me going into the, the final. Um, it was either win them all or lose them all. All of them were projected to be close games uh, within three points or so. So my nerves were really, really high as I set my lineups on uh, on uh, Saturday night going into the Sunday games and I was yeah just, just bricking it. The other final was my Dynasty League. Um, so this holds a really special place in my heart. It's not only am I playing the same people as my home league, makes it a bit spicy. Um, we're using a bit of a different format. It's a super flex league and it's my first league as a full-on full-time commissioner. Um, we, we shared the duties in the home league for a little while before uh, one, of my, one of my friends who moved to America took on responsibilities. Um, Dynasty gave us all a bit of an interesting choice because it was a startup that, that year. Um, it was either play to win with established veterans, so yeah, pick, pick up the people you know, or give you a chance to roll on and build your dynasty and, and go for the players who were who are going to have meaningful years in future years. Obviously, we can't predict the future, but we, we do try. That's the game of fantasy football. I took a bit of a pragmatic approach. I, I drafted Herbert, um, 
because it's Superflex League. He was he was my pick 106, I believe. I chose him over um, Kyler Murray. Thank goodness I did. Um, I got Najee Harris, um, Antonio Gibson, who I still hold a candle for. I think he'll still come good. And I got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which, um, yeah, I got him a bit of a discount because of the year before. Um, and I got a sure thing in, in what I thought in, in Brady. And uh, again, Brady was a big part of my fancy football year last year. Um, I had a smattering of the players with upside. Um, at the time, T. Higgins was a bit more unknown, so I got him on the cheap. Cortland Sutton, and I got Debo Samuel before he started you know, becoming a running back and being amazing. And I had some established stars of people that I loved from, from my Rams, uh, Rams uh, team as well. I got Robert Woods. And uh, so, that, yeah, my team flirted with kind of both philosophies of build veterans and, and youngsters within the dynasty format. We split the league into two conferences uh, to create some dynamics with uh, and, and some storylines. That's what I really wanted to do. Um, and that was a really exciting thing to do. We we had East versus West Conference. So we the league we're in, we have some Americans in there as well, um, So and as well as some Brits. So the East Conference is, is full of our, of our British uh, players, and we play each other twice a year. Western Conference, they play each other twice a year. And then we cross across uh, both, uh, both conferences as well. Um, so we have some different dynamics in there and ultimately we have six teams advancing to the playoffs with the winners of the conferences receiving a bye in the first round and that was I was one of those in the Eastern Conference. Um, after a tight semi-final I needed a Monday miracle I, I entered the uh, final as a 10-point underdog against a team who had done it the hard way they'd come all the way through the playoffs beating their, their opposition and really picked up the pace through the latter part of the year. This league meant the most for me like the, the, the redraft leagues were almost testers for me to you know refine my skills and hopefully bring back to the home league what i'd learned um and it, because it, you know mainly because i've done so poorly in the home league for years this would finally give me bragging rights if not proper um against my uh, league mates last season i decided to do what was not easy and fall back on what I th- I thought was the right way to do it. If I drafted a player high, I shouldn't be forced to play them. That was something really difficult to get past my head. The the draft capital of Saquon Barkley in the first, you, you could think, oh, he's going to come good. He's He's got the ingrained t- talent uh, behind him. But you can't always rely on that in fantasy football. You also can't think of, you know, these players got me here. You, you've got to be loyal to them. Um, fancy is a weekly game and it's a case of yeah but what have you done for me lately unlike the years i'm shaking off the sentimentality and you know again i, I dumped sake one for uh sony michelle in one of my leagues i dumped noah fant who I, I i don't know i always seem to draft him uh, for dallas goddard and i even ended up benching Najee harris in the finals for richard penny it was a punt but, you know, for those of you with a, a good memory, you'll find out that it was actually a pretty good punt. Um, I was hoping to be ruthless and hopefully it would all pay off. It would be four for four. I set my line up and I waited for Tuesday to roll by where I would see the results come by, come by when I woke up. And spoiler alert, I won. Not just one, not two or three, but I won all of them. Um, last season, I had six eligible leagues where I could win a traditional championship and I won two-thirds of them 
you know, I don't, you know, I, I did. I feel like I, I held my uh, myself in good standards in the in the Scott Fish Bowl and um, the Megla Bowl. But really, what was key to me was getting the the draft formula right and the the league formula for redraft. Um, in the redraft leagues, I'm not surprised about the collective win because all the teams were so common. I've always already mentioned Sonia Michelle and Damian Harris, the Bills, Nick Falk, Darnell Mooney, who were all heating up or were great matchups. And at the very least, I'd landed on them as being reliable and having a safe floor. These guys helped set a bedrock for the players around them and you know, enabled guys like Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, Tom Brady and Alvin Kamara to go beat up the opposition and rack up the score. In the end, these games were decided on Sunday with an average of lead of about 30 going into Monday night. So I didn't have a sleepless night. It was the first time playing in a fantasy football game where I didn't have night sweats going into the day afterwards. The Dynasty League win was also extra special. Um, I was playing as the mathematical underdog, going against a flashy team with Dalvin Cook at the core and a resurgent cast of players who dragged the team into the championship the hard way. In the end, I was lucky. Brady Sean. Rashad Penny, a late pickup to replace Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, they won me the week. And everyone else did just enough to you know, nullify the opposition with players like Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, and of course Antonio Brown exit, exiting that week um, under some strange circumstances. I may not have a proper home league title, but I have got a title against the same players. And if they're listening today, I really hope they remember that. Uh, I need to build myself some kind of trophy or belt or something like that just to, to you know, really really stick it to them. Um, this was really a, a sweet and was a culmination of a lot of work, research, and of course, I've mentioned it before, luck. If I was to take one thing from this set of games, it's that despite all of the preparation, all of the research and all the manoeuvring throughout the season, things can just come down to luck. Or, as I've had in years past, come undone by bad luck. I think that's what makes this game and the chase so addictive. What you can control proactively you know, might to mitigate the entropy and chaos all just came down to a roll of the dice. Who was going to be good that day? Who was going to be bad that day? And it makes the win that much more mercurial and elusive. So that's me today anyway. That brings you up to speed. I know it's a bit of a weird time in the pre-season talking about last season, but... I just wanted to get it get it out there and, and start talking about my history and, and what I want to do with fantasy football going forward. I've spoken about a bit of my love affair with football, both fantasy and otherwise, and my recent history and credentials. Not that they really stand the muster with most of the fantasy football community. Please don't confuse me. I'm not an expert. Um, as I mentioned, I've had one real win in the last six years when it's all come together and I think that's maybe what sets me apart from the rest of the fantasy community I'm not well tenured I'm most definitely an amateur I've not got a breadth of experience but I hopefully I do have opinions on what it's like to come into what can be a quite intimidating hobby and find ways to make it fun and engaging and more so I'm doing this from a UK perspective over this side of the pond, we don't have a huge amount of exposure to the game. We don't have college football, and if you really want to watch, you have to give up sleep and your money for a big old Sky Sports package, or, like me, you know, both and then some more. Um, as such, it tends to become something that 
beginners can get really intimidated by and, and not get to grips with if you can't watch the game that you're playing you know you, you want to watch the real life equivalent of of the sport you're playing fantasy with yeah it's, it's easy in the uk to do it with the premier league but with the nfl it becomes that more much more harder because you're that five to eight hours removed from the action so i wanted to put something together that kind of expresses how it's like experiencing the game both real and fantasy from someone like you know that has these problems um and hopefully even the experienced among you can kind of hear um what i'm saying and and, and feel that you've been through the same as well this year I, i'm going to become well i i'm a second year commissioner for the first time that's a weird way of saying it um i'm also in the scott fishbowl proper uh, after doing pretty well in the uh, the satellite tournament uh, i'm gonna want gonna be back in the megla bowl with the fancy footballers and i'll be trying to win my home league which is the most important thing for the first time again um this year it's been respect to a one keeper league so it just adds an extra little piece of spice uh, to the end of the year each one you know people searching on the waiver wire for for the best value for next year um, along the way, I'm hoping to explain and give some thoughts onto different formats. Um, I'll also be trying DFS this year, um, some bigger leagues, some different formats, and hopefully a couple of experimental leagues like uh, a vampire or zombie league. If you're listening to this now and want to go on that experience with me, just hit me up on Twitter. I'll give you my, my details at the end. Um, throughout, I'm, I'm going to give you some mocks. I'll, I'll give you some tips on how to get starting. And most of all, I'm hoping over the course of the season to chronicle my thoughts week by week and give you something, you know, in 20 minute chunks to, to listen along to and hopefully give you some ideas for your own leagues as well. What I won't give you is weekly rankings. I've mentioned it before. I'm not an analyst. I stand upon the shoulders of giants who came before me and will continue to do so. My quote-unquote hot takes will be a bit borrowed and a bit more reflective of what I see and what I've absorbed as a culmination of the fancy community. I'm not looking to piggyback on any one person's opinions but look to reflect what I see in, in the uh, in the industry and shine a bit of a mirror to it and, and what it actually means for someone like me who is a an amateur going into a professional hobbyist I guess. That said I still don't really know what this will become. As part of that, I'm hoping to be led by you, um, the listeners and the wider community. If any of you are actually listening to this, this is, you know, I'm new to this. I don't know how to get a podcast out. I'll probably work out after this, uh, <laughs> after this recording is finished. Um, but you can reach me in the comments if it's there. Um, you know, rate, like and subscribe if that's a thing as well. Or you can reach out to me directly on Twitter. I'm at rugby with pads or email rugby with pads at gmail.com. So uh, please do reach out give me a shout and uh, I'd love to hear from you and uh, I've got to think of a way to sign off. Well, have a good day and I'll see you on the gridiron. <laughs>